Good morning. Welcome to Regeneration. Um, I am uh, really glad Cheryl's back. And uh, she's going to be sharing about her trip to Gambia and what, what the Lord's been showing her there. Um, so I, I asked her actually last week to share last week, but she uh, was visiting family. And uh, now she's back, so I uh, grabbed her and said, uh, if, asked her if she could share this morning. So Cheryl, uh, as she's on her way up, she went to the Gambia and... Um, Cheryl's been here for quite a few years. She's been really um, instrumental in shaping many ministries at, at Regen, and uh, we were sad to see her go, but we're glad she's back. Oh, I'm excited to be back, and I just first of all want to thank you all for all of your prayers and support and your emails, and I got to get on Facebook once a month when we come out of the bush, and I like got to check up and see what everybody was doing, so I really appreciate that. It was really nice to have a little connection back home, um, and I really want to thank you for this opportunity to share with you today. Um, it's hard to, when Albert asked me to talk, it's hard to take one year of experience and put it into a short amount of time. So today what I thought I'd do is give you a short overview of all of the things that, how I spent my time when I was in the Gambia, um, show you a video clip that I had showed to Esther earlier. It's a virtual tour of my mud hut, so you might, that was kind of cute, so you can see kind of how, um, how I lived the last part while I was there. And then also I wanted to share with you um, um, an incident that happened to me while I was there that I really couldn't put in my newsletter and, um, and the lessons that I learned from that, and I think that they would be applicable for, um, for here because there's some similarities, similarities between Gambia and here, and there's some also major differences that um, you, you'll be able to learn a little bit more about the culture. So if we can go to the next, the next slide. For those of you that don't know me, um, uh, I went to the Gambia, and this is where the Gambia is. It's in West Africa, and it's the, one of the smallest countries um, in Africa, and it's about 95% Muslim. And I spent a year there up country in a small village of about 1,500 people, about 100 to 150 families or compounds. Um, we can go to the next slide. Uh, I spent most of my time with um, uh, the, the locals and as well as these long-term missionaries. Um, I was with uh, Dr. Hedwig, and she was from Germany. She ran the nutrition center for malnourished children. Uh, Gunda, who is from Switzerland, is a uh, nurse midwife, but she spends most of her time now doing agriculture and working on local plants for medicinal, medicinal medicine for the uh, local cures. They have a ringworm plant and different types of a never-die plant for cures, supposed to cure everything. And then Toshiko is from Japan, and Toshiko was with us for, um, for, uh, in, when I was in the mission house when I first came. And she moved to a small village called Pengcheng, where she's setting up a learning center there. So it was, um, it was interesting to be there. This is my first, like, for me it's long-term mission trip, but for true missionaries it's like it was short-term because it was only a year. But it was interesting being on this team because I was the only American on the team. And so I was dropped into this um, cu country where the tribe that I was with, where it's called the Fula, the Fula tribe. So I was learning the Fula culture as well as learning this expatriate culture because I was the only American. And um, so it was, it was, um, it was different. 
the next slide shows the Nafori Center, which is the nutrition center for the children. Um, I didn't actually work there, but I did spend some time there praying with, with uh, some of the patients and the moms. And, but this is where Dr. Hedwig does, and it's kind of the, a, really, a really good um, uh, benefit for the community to have this nutrition center there. They're very appreciative to have the doctor there. And the next slide shows um, where I spent the majority of my time. Um, in the beginning, I worked with um, a tailor, and her name was Fatu, and she was a, be- a brand-new believer. And uh, so what was interesting is you know, I went over there thinking, I know, I know how to sew. I've you know, sewn things and um, know how to do patterns and all of that stuff. But I did not know how to use a pedal machine. <laughs> I have an electric machine at home. So she taught me how to use the pedal machine. And, um, and, but I taught her like, how to do the collars and how to, you know, more, um, a little more sophisticated sewing techniques. Um, but she ended up getting married. She married a believer and she moved to his village. So when she moved away, the next slide, I had some free time on my hands, and so um, there's a local school, and so they asked me if I would, I went over there to see if they need any help, and they asked me if I could teach English. Well, I'm not a teacher, but um, I had a ton of fun. I taught 7th and 8th grade English. Um, I taught the children, one of the fun things I did was I uh, brought some, uh, I asked the teacher if I could deviate from the normal uh, curriculum, and I bought um, bubble gum, which is like a real treat for them. It's it's very not everybody gets bubble gum there. They are, not everyone gets gum, and so I thought it'd be fun to teach them how to blow a bubble. Because one time I, they gave me a piece of gum and I was blowing a bubble, and they were looking at me like, "What are you doing?" They had never seen a bubble before. So I thought, okay, I'll teach them how to blow a bubble, and we'll do it in English. So we had all the glossary words first, you know, like, um, um, you know, put it in your mouth, chew, uh, make it into a ball, put it behind your teeth, stick your tongue through, and blow gently. And they had a ton of fun. And when I walked out of the classroom, I didn't know how the other kids heard about it, but, um, oh, they couldn't sidestep here. They couldn't pronounce my name. My name was my name's Cheryl, and they couldn't say my name, so they gave me a Gambian name, Maimuna. So I walk out of the classroom, and they go, Maimuna, Maimuna, akuma chewing gum, like, give me chewing gum. And, and I tell them, you know, ajungo, like, wait, wait till tomorrow, and it'll be your turn. But they all, I don't know how they heard about it already, but they were, like, so excited. So it was kind of fun to do different things and, and um, be a little creative with them. I also did some soap making on the next slide. We um, a small business. Um, we I worked with Ami. This is Ami. She was another believer, and she, we it went really well until they raised the price of oil. Then when they raised the price of oil, which we use in making the soap, we couldn't raise the price of oil or pr- the price of the soap in the village. They wouldn't buy it. So this is one that we kind of we sort of winded it down because uh, it wasn't worth her time to do that. Um, but she know, now she knows how to make soap, and she can make soap for her family. Uh, the next slide was the one that I probably had the most fun, uh, or I don't know, it was all it was all fun. So this was the jewelry making, and in Nerengal Fulbe is what they named it. I worked with four four believers, and this just sort of sprang up. I didn't plan on doing this, but I had designed these little earrings that I have on, and uh, I took them to prayer day, and we uh, some of the ladies made we made quite a few of them, and they all almost all of them sold. And so some more women were interested. And so we made makari, or necklaces. We made jiraji, or 
the uh, ankle bracelets, which they they use. They all of them wear ankle bracelets. There, they use them for um, naming ceremonies, etc. And when they get married, they they wear a lot of those. So. Anyway, that was a lot of fun. That one's still going. I turned that over to a short-term missionary from Switzerland, and she's running that now with the, with the four believers. And they're, they're getting some good pocket money from this one, which will help them buy cement for their, for their floors, put roofs on their houses, um, rice um, for, for to eat. So it's, um, I've, I've, I feel like the Lord really did a good work in this one. The next slide shows um, they needed someone to beautify some benches, so I... Um, I'm not an artist, so I got, this, these are benches that were outside the um, nutrition center, and so I got some of the children in the community, and I used their hands and feet, and that bottom one with the chicken on it is the Gambian flag, and the little feet are one of the little girls, those are the white stripes of the flag. So we had, we had a lot of fun with that, and left something behind for them, and got some community involvement, and my fula really improved. What doom guy? Put it here, you know, and telling him how to do things. It was quite fun. The other thing that we did was the cinema. Um, the children named it the cinema. It actually was a PowerPoint presentation of, of just a lot of nature pictures. One of the uh, nurses um, at the clinic could took marvel. He had one of those really nice cameras. Took really good pictures. And so we put together uh, it was sort of an outreach. We, I worked with one of the um, local believers and translated some Bible verses into Fula, and we put those on, on the PowerPoint and on the nature slides. We probably had, I don't know, uh, 100 to 150 people show up to these. And I would go through the village the next day, and they'd go, my Muna, my Muna, cinema on Friday? Are we having cinema? And so it was, they really enjoyed it. And it was just a simple PowerPoint presentation. But for them, you know, this, we used a huge bed sheet. And for them, it was just a, a, a unique opportunity. Um, next, I also worked um, with the headquarters um, in Gambia, on uh, they found out that I knew a little bit about business, so they asked me to help them on some of their strategic planning. And so we worked with um, this. This is their. I helped them kind of put it into a picture format, where their main mission is you know the church planting, but to be in the country they need to do mercy ministries. And so the mercy ministries, which would be like the the medicine and the health the healthcare and the teaching and the small business type things are things that we do use for outreach, which enables us to develop relationships with, with folks to do the church planting. So they kind of they go together. And on the next slide, you'll see um, how it looked in 2010. Um, there's a literacy program, you'll notice down in the, in the bottom over here, where they've just completed 20 years of doing them, and they translated them in, uh, the Bible into Mandinka, which is one of the uh, tribal languages, and it took them 20 years. The missionaries who did that are retiring, so if you go to the next slide, you'll see that that button no longer exists. That was incorporated into the education and training uh, button, and they, you know, it's just a, a, there is still a need for, for missionaries to come out and, and help as the older ones are retiring. Um, so the next slide shows one of my favorite things, TEE, which is Theological Education by Extension. And I worked with these two believers on a discipleship course. I probably I met with them three times a week for about eight hours a week. And it was really a, uh, a blessing uh, to be a part of that, to see the Holy Spirit work in their lives, for them to learn um, 
the depths more, to learn more about what they believe and to explore the Bible with them. We went through a navigator's course. It was three books, each book about almost 200 pages, and we made it through a book and a half. And I've turned that over to Dr. Hedwig, and she's, com- she's continuing that, that with them. So um, just a real blessing to be able to do that. And the last slide shows, I think I showed um, this verse before I left, because this was a verse that the Lord had given to me, that in a heart a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. And I feel like I'm coming home with that same verse. Um, I really felt the Lord did direct my steps when I was there. Um, I have no idea what I'm going to do now. (laughs) I left my job. Um, My house is leased. Um, Sold my car. So I'm trying to pray and figure out what the Lord would have me do next. So um, hopefully that gives you a glimpse of, of what, how I spent my time. And I want to thank you all for being a part of that, because through your support, the church um, supported me, as well as through your prayers. Um, you know, so you're a part of what was able to be accomplished up there, and, and um, I just thank you so much for that. Um, next, I have a little video. Um, and this shows a virtual tour of my little mud hut that I lived in towards the end. This is the view outside my front door. And this is my dog that's adopted me. And this is my front door. And we're walking in. And this is my living room. And this is my kitchen. And this is my mm, cupboards. And this is where I keep all of the jewelry making stuff. So now we'll, oh, this is my uh, closet. It was too big to fit inside the bedroom through this opening here. And welcome to my bedroom. And this is where I keep the sheets. This is my desk. And this is my nightstand. And my bed with my mosquito netting. And some of my clothes and my laundry. Here's my shower bucket. And uh, my jogging clothes. Here's the solar panel system that I still have in the bag. Oops, door's locked. And we're going out the back door. And this is my backyard. And you can hear my neighbors. This is my toilet and my shower. And so this is the uh, There's the toilet. Oh, there's my shadow. And my toilet paper. And hmm, where's the shower nozzle? Oh, there is none. Um, it's the bucket. And then over here, here's the mosque. Uh, right outside my door. Oh, there's the sheep. I don't know if you can see the sheep. We'll just look over the fence here and see. I don't know if there's any sheep there today. There may be. And over here is... Let's see if we can look through the fence here. Let's see what it normally looks like out on the street. So, let's take a look here. Speaking through the fence, over by the mosque. Oh, normal street view. 
That's the well. We're in here at the well. Oh, there's a regular sheep. No donkeys today. Anyway, there's the boss. So, that was the grand tour. There's the back door. So hopefully that gives you a little perspective of, of uh, how, how I, I lived. I lived in a compound. A compound is a family compound for the, the last six weeks. The first part of my mission, I lived um, in a, um, with the mission house. And then the nurse, um, who was a male nurse, he went home to Switzerland. And, um, and so I had an opportunity to move into his, his compound, his place. And so I did that, and I got to live right in the village, right next to the mosque with the calls to prayer um, in five times a day, blaring through the loudspeakers. Um, but it was a good reminder for me to pray. And uh, it was fun. There's no, As you can see, there's no running water, um, no electricity. It did have a little tiny solar panel system so I could uh, charge my, my, my mobile. They call it mobile, not cell phone. And I had to learn a new English when I was over there, too. And... They so I charged my my uh, my cell phone and most of the stuff by candlelight, and uh, you saw the the bathroom and the shower. But uh, it was it was a good experience. It's very good. So uh, one of the things that I also wanted to do was to share with you a situation that happened around Christmas time, and it was a um, it challenged me, and it caused me really to pour my heart out to God and to draw closer to God. And this, this picture is one of my favorite pictures because it's right outside um, the mission house that we stayed at, and it's one of the wells. And it has everything in there that Chalman has. It has the, the sheep and the goats, the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the ox, the donkey, the donkey cart. That's their main mode of transportation is by donkey and donkey cart. The laundry do- drying in the background, the men getting the well, the water for their for their donkeys, the cans that they carry their water in, and it's just a really, um, it just reminds me so much of of Chaman. So back to my story. Around Christmas time, I had just returned from Combo, which is the city that um, we would come out of the bush once a month and go in for, for prayer, uh, a prayer day and a community day where all of the uh, WEC, Worldwide Evangelization for Christ Internationals, the organization that I went with, all of the stations would come together for prayer and to conduct some business. And so we usually would get our money that we would need for the month and our groceries and stuff like that. So I had got, I had um, pulled out like 5,000 Delossi, which is about $200, a little less than 200 which is not a lot for us, but um, the average annual income is $500 a year. And so $200 is quite a bit of money uh, for them. So I had it in my room in a little pouch thing, not a wallet or anything that even looked like money, um, and it went missing. And so I searched my room high and low. I searched everywhere for that. And I realized that I had to tell Gunda, my supervisor, that the money was missing. And I was, I felt embarrassed. I was, um, you know, I felt stupid. How come I left it out? You know, how could this happen? Uh, so anyway, so I told Gunda. Gunda decided we needed to go to the Alcala. And the Alcala is, so in each village, there's a, there's no, in, the, in Chaman, there's no police. So it's kind of this village justice system that where the chief, 
he's kind of in charge of the village, the village on a macro level, and then the Akala, he handles this, these type of issues. So we went to the Akala and told him what happened. His solution was to call every person who had access to that money uh, into his compound the next morning for a meeting. So we did that, and there was probably about 30 people because this was around Christmas time. So there were believers and non-believers that were that came that got called, and it made a lot of people angry that they were called because there you're assumed guilty until you're proven innocent, and so they were all like guilty now, and so it was. It was it was just a it was really a tough time because I would go out into the village and people would talk you know and then plus that was a lot of money to have and it just kind of confirmed to them that the white the white people have money and they call white people two bobs so the two bobs have money and this just kind of confirmed that and so it was just I mean, it was just I was just embarrassed um, there was a concern that the money would come back if it came back at all the fool away and the fool away means be- there's a, there's a, what happens is that they people will put a curse on someone on the person who stole the money so they'll be afraid that and so they would return the money and so there was a concern that the money would come back that way which means they just throw it over the fence at night and you never know who took it and you but you got your money back and so everything's supposed to be okay and um and then, but then if it comes back that way, then everybody who was called to the Alcala is still a suspect, and no one is really, you know, there's not one person you can say did it, and everybody else is, is innocent. So this went on for a couple weeks, and um, it was my turn to teach on a Friday. Uh, we, we did church service with the believers on Friday, because that's the day the, the Muslims meet at the mosque. And so we, we met at the same time, and so... Um, we had service, it was my turn to teach, and so I thought I would kind of share with them how how the Lord had moved in my life through all of this, through these weeks, and I thought I would share with you what I shared with them. And so I told them how I had searched for the money, and, and I, that I finally had to tell Gunda, and I told them that I did, that I felt, you know, stupid and ashamed and, and embarrassed, and also because in, in their culture, shame is much greater than guilt. Um, but I also felt guilty, so I had like both of them, and I because I felt guilty that I shouldn't have left it out. I tempted somebody, you know, and I if I had been more responsible and put it away, then maybe this wouldn't have happened. And I also felt hurt that someone took my money, and it made me question why did I come to the Gambia? Here I am trying to help, and yet they took my money, and so I was very. Um, it really made me question, but question that. But the more I prayed about it, and the more I thought about it. Um, you know, I really did feel God's call to leave um, America, the comforts of my home, and to, to go to the Gambia, and I knew that that's where I was supposed to be. And, and I really, as I was praying, I, I, the Lord really just showed me um, a lot of Bible verses, and I want to share some of those with you. The first one is on James 1, 2 through 4, and that we're to consider pure joy when we face trials of many kinds, because the testing develops perseverance, and perseverance makes us mature so that we're not lacking anything. So I learned to persevere. Um, I'm not sure I'm quite there on the pure joy part of it yet, but I think I'm getting there on the perseverance. Uh, the next verse that he showed me was um, in First Peter, 
and which is don't be surprised at the painful trial you are suffering as though something strange were happening to you. So when it rains, you know, it pours, and don't consider those trials hard. And so I had to really take that to heart and think, okay, um, you know, the Lord brought me here, and I'm going through this for a reason. And then he brought to me, um, on the next slide, he brought uh, Psalm 37, 1 through 9, and this one really spoke to my heart. It just, straight to my heart in this situation, And it says, do not fret because of evil men or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass, they will soon wither. Like green plants, they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn the justice of your cause like the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret. It leads only to evil. For evil men will be cut off, and those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. And so for me, this just, like, like I said, it just spoke straight to my heart. You know, I was not to worry. I was to trust God, that he was going to help me. I was to be patient and wait for God to act. I wasn't to be angry, and I wasn't to fret. The fretting part was hard. And to, I was supposed to trust him. And as I continued to pray about this, I really came to realize that, you know, this was God's money. It wasn't my money. That... You know, I came to the Gambia with money that God had blessed me with, and I was to be a blessing to others. And I thought I was going to use it for soap or jewelry making or whatever, you know, whatever the needs were. But, you know, maybe God had other plans for this money. And so who am I? And so it was, very, it was a very humbling, very humbling time. Uh, on the next slide about the anger part, it's like, don't be angry. Don't let, um, in Ephesians, it talks about not letting the sun go down while you're still angry. This was another verse that came to my mind. And the next, um, the next verse here has to do with what happened when I would go out into the village. I'd hear the little whispering, you know, she's the two bob that got the money stolen. Um, of course, they'd be saying it in Fula, but you could still kind of tell what they were saying. Then, then they started coming up to me, and they started saying, Cheryl, or Mamuna, Mamuna, are you going to go to a cholong? And I had no idea what they were saying. And, and so, because they were asking me that in Fula. And so finally, I had like three people come up and ask me this. So I went to Gunda, and I said, Gunda, what is a cholong? People are telling me, am I going to go to a cholong? And she, her eyes got kind of big, and she looked at me, and she goes, well, that's the big witch doctor. And they were saying that I needed to put a death curse on the person who stole the money, so that they would be afraid and return the money. And, and, and lots of people came up and asked me this. And that just like broke my heart because it's like I was, I mean, I was sad that, my, that they took my money and I was hurt, but I wasn't angry. And I certainly didn't want to put a death curse on anybody. And later I learned that the, the 
some of the elders in the in the community, not not a believer, but one of the the locals, was that well, we'll let the two bobs do their thing. But if this money doesn't come back, I'm going to the chalung and I'm going to put the death curse on someone. And it was like, oh my goodness, you know. And it just made me just cry out to God, you know, God, you are more powerful than witch doctors. You're more powerful than a chalung. Please let this money come back, not because I want the money back. It's your money, but please let the money come back so that people will know that you are the most powerful God and that you, that, that you are God and that, you don't need, that they don't need to go to Chalungs. They don't need to go to witch doctors. And so anyway, I was just, just, was just on my heart, and I was praying and praying and praying about this. And then it, these verses came, and these are, this is all the stuff that I shared with them at the, um, uh, at the Fula service. Um, Romans twelve fourteen. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. And and then on in, in the next slide it shows that Romans do not twelve seventeen. Do not repay evil for evil. And the next slide shows Romans twelve um, nineteen. It says don't take revenge. Leave room for God's wrath. And Romans goes on to say that do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. So I waited, I waited on the Lord. I go back to Psalm 37, and I'm waiting on the Lord. I'm trying not to be angry. I'm not trying not to fret, but I'm just pouring my heart out to him. I forgave the person who took the money because, you know, they didn't take my money. They took God's money. So, you know, it's, it's, it, it, that perspective was a good perspective for me to have. And I didn't want them to be cursed. Um, but the money did come back. And God answered, God answered our prayers, and the money came back, but it came back the fool away. So I was at the cinema, which I shared with you earlier. We did a, a whole bunch of, of about four of those. Um, so it's this big room, and it's dark, and I had my backpack with me because I had the, my computer in there, and I'd taken, and we did the, and so it's a big room, dark room. And after the show, I put my computer in my backpack and all my stuff, and I went back to my room, and when I'm unpacking my backpack, there's the money. So someone had put the money back in my backpack. So um, I got the money back. No one died. Um, And um, I was still a little hurt that someone actually took my money, but I'm glad they gave it back. And I think the people in the village were relieved that the money came back. No one had to go to a witch doctor. Um, and, uh, yeah, so I, I just learned a lot of lessons through that. So on the next slide, I, I learned there, too, that I needed to be honest with my emotions and not cover up because of shame. Because in the, in the Fula culture, um, shame is, is not good. And so, you know, there was, there was a split second when I realized the money was missing in the beginning that, oh, maybe I, it's only $200, I'll just let it go. You know, I don't want to say anything, how embarrassing. Um, but so I learned I needed to step out, and I think the Lord blessed a lot of people through this event, through one of these trials. So I learned to be honest with my emotions and not to cover up my shame. The next slide is I, I learned to refrain from anger, um, and I learned to forgive. In the next slide, I also I learned that, like I said, it was God's money, and I'm just the steward of his money. But I do need to be responsible with what he's entrusted me with and not leave it laying in my room where there's ac- where it's access to other people and to be a temptation to other people. I also learned to wait patiently for the Lord and to wait with expectation that he is going to, he is going to, to let his glory shine. And lastly, I learned um, to not seek revenge or vengeance, but to truly trust in the Lord. 
And, you know, I also learned that there are a lot of similar struggles um, in, in the Gambia uh, that we have in the U.S. And I think, you know, we may not have chalungs, but I think that we do struggle with shame. I think we struggle with guilt. Uh, and we struggle with anger. Um, and so, you know, if you're, struggle, if you're struggling with any of those or you uh, lack, you know, or you, you, want it, you need help with forgiveness or you want help in trusting the Lord more, there'll be people, I think, in the chapel or up front that can pray for you. Um, and I think, you know, because I think that there are similarities between Gambia and, um, and the U.S. And, and that there are many differences as well. So um, I hope that that gives you just a little snapshot of, of what I did. I have millions of stories, but I won't tell them all to you. So, but if you're interested and you want to hear more about the culture, um, about what God did there, um, I'm, I'm happy to, to talk with any of you. So thank you very much. Thank you.